Hey Toy Family, welcome to the Designer Con edition of the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. And Teresa, George just canceled on us. I know. Apparently he's doing what I think a lot of people are doing right now, which is last minute prep for Designer Con. Oh, see now you're just enabling him. This show's a priority, Teresa. No, this is like crunch time. This Ah, uh, don't put me in the middle, Gary. Don't put me between you and George. No, that's totally cool. George has more than helped out many times in the past, so he deserves a night off. But in George's stead, we are being joined by a, a, a guest. Is that well? Actually, we're going to do a little a bit of both. A little bit of uh, designer con edition and a little bit of collector edition. So we're getting two for one in this episode. He is someone who seemed to grow. Into a man right before our eyes. Many people in the designer toy scene know who I'm talking about. He's a longtime collector, friend to many artists. He's a Bob's Burger fan and a supplier of jello shots at conventions. Let's welcome oh, wait. the one and only. We just lost him. Oh, no. <laughs> he left the building. Also, I just, I just saw Scott left on my Skype screen. <laughs> You're like, I don't like that intro. I'm out. He's a chef piece. <laughs> I think that's a show first right there. We can't edit that. I was like, wait a minute. Man, first George, and now it's like Scott just ghosts us right in the middle of the intro. Give me a smell test. See if I smell. <laughs> this episode is great so far. We're, I know. We're I, was just, I was just getting into my flow. I know. He's re-logging on. Skype, like, totally logged him out. Hey, you got that up, Ray, the best part. Well, that's I'm not editing that out. That's that's podcast gold right there. Ugh. You literally <laughs> left. You were like, screw this. I hate my no. intro. I'm going to be here. In- <laughs> we should probably yeah. redo your intro real quick. So uh, joining us tonight is a longtime collector. He's a friend of many people on the scene. If you're out there in L.A. or you've gone to any conventions out there, you probably ran to this man at a show or, or an exhibition. He's... Um, a huge Bob's Burger fan and a uh, supplier of Jello shots at usually San Diego Comic Con. So, let's welcome Scott Catler. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I wanted to uh, give away the secret of the Jello shot to the world, but it's out there now. <laughs> it's, it's out there now, buddy. It's out there. It's uh, you don't know about it, Teresa, but it's something that you know Scott would kind of walk around with a cooler. Usually on the last day, right? It was usually Sunday. Oh no, no, no! It was like every day. Oh, every day. So he. Oh would, yeah. Like, a little cooler full of little jello shots and it kinda it was a little pick me up for all the people who have been pretty much zombified inside that convention center for two, ten hours a day. Well man, I'm sad that I've never been to part been able to partake. You should bring yeah. some to decon. It could happen. It might happen. <laughs> now are you working a booth this year? I know like a lot of times when I see you at convention, Scott, you're you usually walking around but it always seems like you're also helping someone man a booth. Like I know you've you've manned um Dan Goodsell's Mr. Toast booth a lot at San Diego Comic Con. So are you helping out any vendors this year? I've got a home base with Colas this year. He doesn't need any help from me. He's got it all figured out. But, you know, I'll lend a hand where I can, even if it's just like a, a co- run do a coffee run or something like that. So, yeah, you can help him out with pee breaks and stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh uh, I'll help him with pee breaks, depending on how you want to uh, define that. I'm not that. saying you have to hold it, but I'm just saying you're going to man, you're going to hold down the fort while he takes a pee break. Hey. Eh. 
You know what? That was actually just mentioned on the last episode of Bob's Burgers. Teddy was offering to hold, hold Bob's wiener for him since he could, he was like, like on like pain meds or something like that. That's what friends do. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's totally how yeah. I test my friendships. That's the first thing I do. Mm-hmm. And probably why I have no friends. <laughs> so at the time this releases, it's going to be only five days until Designer Con. So you guys buy your tickets already, your badges? I assume you guys both got VIPs? Um, I'm VIP. Are you, Scott? Uh, I'm Exhibitor. Ooh. Ooh. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I had to go VIP. Yeah. I- Did you guys see today it was mentioned that... Uh, if with your VIP pass, you're going to get a free enamel pin of DesignerCon Vinny. So anyone who doesn't know, Vinny is the name of the mascot of DesignerCon. And a little bit of history, Scott Tollison was the guy who, well, he didn't design the original Vinny. The original Vinny for, you know, back when it was called VTN or Vinyl Toy Network, it was a completely different design. But I believe when they called it DesignerCon, Scott was asked to redesign the mascot. And so what you've seen probably the past six or eight years or however long it's been DesignerCon, Scott Tolson did that design. And then this year, Kano kind of revamped Scott's design for a uh, free enamel pin this year. And I think it turned out great. Yeah. Yeah. Kano did a great job on it. He did. He did a great job on the pin and all the badges. So I'm jealous that you guys get that. I haven't bought my badge yet, so I'm going to, I'm just going to sneak in. There you go. Oh, jeez. You didn't, you think you'll do VIP, Gary, or just keep it simple? Weekend pass. I don't need a badge to tell me that I'm VIP, Teresa. I know I'm VIP. <laughs> oh, jeez. But no, I'll probably keep it simple. You should totally VIP, and then we could stand in line together. Yeah, you have fun with that. You get the collector experience. Unfortunately, Designer Gone is taking up so much of the convention now, you can't pull the old one. You can't wander in and be like, oh, I was just here for the model train convention. <laughs> Next door, yeah. Yeah, that used to be like a, that used to always just like, be like a highlight for me like i get to designer con one side is our thing and the other thing is like a lot of old people go and check out model trains and i'm like i'm here yeah all aboard i mean it's um yeah uh i haven't been to designer con i think the last three conventions so Oof. back then it was just in the single hall so i know it's expanded quite a bit it's like what 450 vendors and artists now so it's gonna be quite different yeah definitely bring your walking shoes Oh, I bought a new pair. A Ooh. new pair of New Balance. They're quite comfy. There we go. I'm, I'm breaking Fancy. them in. Yeah. All right, so should we talk a little bit about uh, some Designer Con releases you guys are excited about? Get into Definitely. some leaks and sneak peeks? Do it. All right, so Scott, you're our guest. How about you go first? All right, so first thing up that I am super, super stoked on is from Colas. Besides releasing his uh, Deer Crossing in, in two new colorways and more of his Tabura, which is like the black rooster with the gold talons. Mm-hmm. His third original sculpt, because this guy is a madman, is called Hairball. He's teased it online as like one of those uh, boomerang videos. From what I can tell, it's like a cube-looking thing of his jumper figure. So it's going to have a lot of personality from you can look at it from all different angles and place it you know you have six sides to kind of set it on your shelf it's gonna be super cool looks awesome i, I saw it. it kind of looks like he threw jumper in a like a garbage compactor yeah yes yeah, like monsters inc style yeah when it's awesome food gets squished it's like a yeah like a compact version of a rabbit like a cube shape 
it's smaller than I expected too, based on some other photos I saw. But the boomerang shows its size, so it's not a massive figure, but it's like a good, decent. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's fun. So, yeah. I, at first, you kind of don't know what it is, and then kind of stare at it for a couple seconds, and your eyes start solving the puzzle, and then you start seeing it what yeah. it is. is the jumper, and I like the the initial intrigue of it. I think it's a fun piece. Yeah, and I mean the pic, the one picture I've seen, it, it, you know, I know that no matter how you look at it, it's gonna have like it. What I can't see in the photo, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see in person, and I imagine it's gonna have some nice weight because it's gonna be solid resin. Yeah. Since he does all the self-producing in his garage. Which is, I mean, he's got a top-notch setup from what I heard. I mean, he was on the show in the past, and he says, you know, he spares no expense to do it right. Though, it sounds like he's got all the, all the materials to make high-quality productions. And they look amazing. Like the, the deer crossing, two, like you yeah. said, two, two new colorways. And I love, 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 love that white version with the black antlers. Yes. Me too. I'm, I'm debating picking it up. I don't know how much they are. I think last year they ran about $110, and I know they sold out. But uh, uh, Gary, I, it's 120 yeah. Okay. I, I still might pick it up at that price. A little bit more. Just a little more. No, and yeah, deserved, he, deservedly so. I, I, I feel like those are still way too cheap. I mean, honestly, I feel like they should be $300. So the <laughs> fact that he's doing it for 120 is amazing. So if you're not going to jump on the opportunity – I mean, that's a fail on our parts because it's what an eight-inch figure. Uh, yeah, it's in like seven or eight inches, and it's also like you know it's multiple pieces put together and. Yeah, I remember it was a lot of work, and I think last year it was just a small run of only like five or ten pieces total. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we small run. I mean, the, his work just—it's it, crazy to me how yeah. clean he can get stuff. It's just nuts. He's a perfectionist. He will sand those things to death to go unpainted in his style. And it doesn't show one single blemish anywhere. Like such a master craftsman. And and that's why I think his stuff should be valued more. I mean, I I understand he wants to make it affordable for the fan base and everything, but at the same time, like how much time and effort he puts into his releases and for the small number of pieces he has in his, his edition sizes, like it's a scream of a deal at 120 bucks. Yeah, yeah. And the nice thing about the hairball, because I know he was tossing the idea around when I talked to him at uh, in San Diego. Hairballs, I don't know the price point, but I think it's supposed to be a more affordable price point for people. So don't quote me on it, but I think it's supposed to be like just it'll be below the $100 mark. Don't quote okay. me on it. But it's something because he knows that like people want something for, like an original thing from him. But, you know, they can't go to a deer crossing or a jumper or what have you, so. Awesome. Very cool. I mean, do you know what booth number Colossus is going to be at? He is going to be at booth 128, which is when you walk in the front doors of the convention, like the the true front, not those, like, side doors. Yeah. Uh, he's, like, usually right off to the right side in the front row facing the doors. Okay. So you, there's no reason you can't stop by his booth it's not hard to find you have to walk past it pretty much to go to the rest of the convention yeah and i would highly suggest anyone who wants to you know plan the route a little ahead of time you should probably go to designercon.com look at the interactive map you can hover over each booth it will tell you who it is and what number it is so plan your attack yes as we all are yeah, you got to be prepped. We've talked about this, Gary. I got to oh. get my spreadsheet going. Oh, I know. You're like the Clark Griswold of conventions. Like you have Griswold DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not alone, but I got to be prepared. That's why all these like 
the problem right now is that people are still working. Like people are still actively making and creating. And like, I know that we're going to get flooded with more and more information as you get days before designer con. Yeah. And well, it's hard. It, well, let's talk about that for a second because you know, we record uh, Thursday nights. And so we thought this entire week we were going to have all this, you know, new release info. We're going to have a designer con episode. We're going to have this big pool of stuff to pull from for the leaks and sneaks. And but it didn't happen. It was actually a fairly quiet, you know, week. We did yep. not see that many mention of releases for designer con. And if we did, it was, it was too vague to really go off of. No details. No prices. No, you know, like real photos or anything. So I think all the news is going to happen next week, and it's going to be a very short period of time for collectors and all, you know, in the blogs to get everything out there. Yeah, it's always yeah. tough. I I always give most give all the artists and manufacturers like a little bit of time because they got to take a breather after new york comic-con um, yeah for you sure. know like everyone's just like it's it's that's a lot to take in and then now all these artists if they're making something it's you know can i make enough of these in time and then there's you know is my stuff gonna you know clear customs in time and exactly We're... Right. there's 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 a lot of moving parts right. and it's, I guess it's just like people are getting, it's just maybe harder. Gary, you probably know more about like how to time, how to time those kind of things out. It's tricky. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, some people say there's an art and a strategy to it, but some of the stuff you mentioned is a factor. Like the, is it stuck in customs? Are we still painting it? Um, you know, we haven't figured out the details or the pricing, all right? We haven't done photos or anything like that. But I think a lot of people do want to just kind of hold on to their news until last minute. So it's still, um, fresh in people's minds it's something they're excited about time you know come to convention time because you know the worst thing you want to do is show something too early and then that excitement fizzles out or something else comes along that yeah. excites them more and then that ends up on their list and yours is put to the side and next week's gonna be insane it's like we're done like we're not recording next week so designer con news for us is you know this is it but for like the toy podcast they're going to be scrambling to try to stay on top of all the news that's going to come through social media next week yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's fun. It, it kind of builds hype, right? Like you're just sitting on the edge of your seat. Like there's certain artists where I'm like waiting. I'm like, I just want to see. I just want to see. I just want to see. Right. I know. Like it's not there yet. And I know like it's going to hit like the ninth or the 10th or like last minute. And I'm going to be sitting like or like flying out there, like still waiting to find out like what this booth will have. <laughs> so I mean, it's fun. It's fun kind of waiting to see. But at the same time, like it's hard to talk about stuff right now just because there's so much more, I think, left to be revealed and to come. So much so. more. I mean, next week's going to be just a windfall of stuff. So, I mean, we're done. So I would say next week, be sure that you're following our sponsors, uh, SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. Follow them on their social media. Uh, but they can only do so much as well. I mean, there's going to be a lot of news going their way. So if there's something that you're really wanting from a certain artist, be sure that you're following your favorite artist or company on the social media. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Did you bring another one, uh, Scott? So the other really cool thing that kind of popped up is uh, Dr. A had a Instagram and a blog post about a new vinyl bust he's releasing at Designer Call called Anesthesia, I think. <laughs> I thought it was anesthesia, like the drug. Yeah, I feel like it's probably more like that. I'm probably saying it wrong. Ana let's just call it Anastasia. You worked on no, that, didn't you? No, it doesn't say Anastasia. I, I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Fail. There's a TH in there. I'm planning to leave out and just say anesthesia. Okay. <laughs> um, anesthesia, anesthesia, tomato, tomato. 
It's cool no matter what. This is more difficult to say than arcane divination. (laughs) Definitely. So yeah, he's doing, it's a, uh, was it a 12-inch bust, it looks like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's this, of course, like a steampunk head, kind of with like a veil over it, and it's got like a headdress, and it's, they're releasing two, like the two, a retail colorway at, at like a kind of a, you know, pre-release at designer con and it's in like a, a bone white with that kind of, uh, you know, antique yellow, kind of like yellow wash. And it's on a, like a copper, uh, base. And yeah. then the other one is going to be, um, like a brass, they call it the Borley edition. And that is like copper with like the green uh, oxidation on a black, uh, base. And each of them are 50 pieces, $100 each, which is a steal for a bust of any size, really. And, yeah, there's even, like, looks like there's about six colorways that will come out. Um, I think I spy, like, a glow-in-the-dark and Dockey's, like, classic kind of uh, that black and purple he always does. Yeah, it looks really cool. It does. Um, I think my favorite part is probably the headdress. It looks like it's made out of little tiny gears. Yeah, how instead of flowers, it's cogwheels. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, as soon as I saw it, the first thing I thought of was uh, that cla- the clairvoyant dunny that uh, Jay Ryu did, the 8-inch one, because it came in that same bone white. Yes. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, so I was like, immediately, I'm like, this thing next to that, awesome. Even though different themes, good, nice combo of two things to have side by side. Yeah, for sure. They would definitely pair together. Now, Dr. A, he's from the UK, but is, he's going to be there at DesignerCon this year. I mean, he's there every year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's actually, he is booth 114, which means he's going to be in that very first first or second booth on, like, the left side when you walk in. Another one, like, if you go to DesignerCon, you have to walk past his booth to experience the rest of the convention, so. Okay. I think all of her releases are, are little sneak peeks are probably on row 100, so. Yeah. No, no reason to go to the rest of the convention. Yeah. Just go to row 100, or aisle 100. <laughs> And you'll see everything that we're talking about. Yeah, pretty much. And then you can turn around and go home. Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> no, there's we'll a whole other convention to see. What, the model train one? <laughs> Not anymore. Don't, that's a sore subject now that they don't have that. Scott, do you remember getting a wet handshake from somebody at DesignerCon? Yo, how could I ever forget? I don't know how, I don't know how long ago. This is probably, I don't know, five or six years ago. But yeah. Teresa, I went to the restroom. I washed my hands like a you know a good hygienic person, and uh, but the, but there were no paper towels in the restroom, so I walked out of the restroom. You know, most people would like dry them on their pants or whatever, but I did. I'm like, no, nah, my booth is far enough away; they can air dry. So I leave the restroom. My hands are still still wet, and never did I think that someone was going to reach their hand out for me to shake. And so, but I ran into Scott like halfway between the bathroom and the booth. <laughs> I ran into Scott, and he gives me his hand, and I gave him a wet, gross handshake. And I apologize, Scott. Yeah, I know. You were like, <laughs> I swear, it's, it's water. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's another. It's another great Gary moment. There's a bunch of those. <laughs> I love Gary moments. <laughs> There's plenty of them. So, Teresa, <laughs> what what are you bringing for DesignerCon? What are you looking forward to? Uh, good question. You know, we said that there's, you know, I've got a few artists I tend to have my eyes on and I'm still waiting for some official reveals. Um, 
you know, Chris Roniak is obviously someone I collect a lot of. He did actually do some sneak peeks during his last Twitch stream. Um, so I won't get into it too much, but he do, does have a new resin figure um, that he'll be bringing called Doolap, um, as well as some other colorways of some of his past resin figures. So um, if you're interested in seeing those ahead of him posting to his social media sites, um, feel free to go check out his Twitch stream. Um, and you can watch it. And he presents it pretty early. So if you, you watch the, from the beginning of the video, you shouldn't miss it. But um, so that I'm still waiting for him to kind of officially reveal because it's possible that he's got more. And then, of course, Dolly Oblong is another artist that um, I absolutely love. And yes. I'm sure she's looking hard. So her stuff is just I love it. Um, I know she works a lot with Muffin Man Sculpts. So I, I know she's been showing a few uh, sneak peeks this time around of the behind-the-scenes process. So I'm um, still waiting for her to officially reveal, but um, I'm excited to see what she's going to bring, too. So Dolly Oblong is not her name, correct? No, they're from, like, the Netherlands, I think. So yes. I don't – maybe Do- Dolly might be, like, a maybe a nickname of some kind. I don't know. Okay. I know we've talked about this before, Gary, because I thought her name was Dolly, and I remember writing an email saying, like, hey, Dolly, and then it was signed Melissa, but I don't know if Melissa was her or her mom, but I think her brother's also involved, and this is why I feel terrible, because I talked to her last year, too, but, like, I think in the, like, excitement of everything, like, I forget minor details, <laughs> like, people's names. <laughs> right. But that's such so, a weird thing um, to ask, too. Like, you're like, so, right? what's like, your name? <laughs> like, how do you do, like, how do you do that? You know, I didn't realize, though, that last year was the first time she had come. I just happened to luck out, and my first designer con was hers. Yeah. Nice. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, a lot more people seem to be making it out. There's going to be a lot of – I think there's even going to be a lot of firsts uh, coming out to designer con this year. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, Muji World from the UK. Muji World. Yep. They've always done some awesome stuff. I actually have a handful of their Tree Spirit figures. I think I found out about them through one of their Kickstarters a while back, but they're going to be first-time Decon attendees and have a booth. Um, and so that'll be really cool. And then um, I think Sad Salesman, that'll be his first time as well, right, Gary, for him to be coming out? Uh, yeah, he said it was going to be his first time. And also um, another guest of the show, Seriously Silly K. This is going to be her first time going to the event. Oh, yeah. nice. So. I think it's exciting. It's it's good that more people are coming over, and that's what I'm kind of excited about. Like, I know um, we talked a little about my Hell House, but, you know, I, I'm going to try to be really, really good this year about budget, um, but I'm really excited. I think this will be – last year when I went, I, I didn't really know, I guess, a ton of people, and through meeting you and doing the podcast and everything, I'm excited to go out and, and talk to a lot of people and just kind of hang out, so it should be yeah. fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. And then I mentioned seriously that Silly K is going to be out there for her first time, but she was on the show and she was saying that she's a huge hugger and she would love to get a lot of hugs from people. And I don't know, I, is anyone else ever getting their head about hugging? Sometimes I feel like, you know, I have to be aware of like too much bosom squeezing or sometimes like a good crotch distance. You don't want to bump <laughs> crotches. Or anyone else have that issue? Or was it just me? Oh. <laughs> as long as you don't creepy hug and like, do something weird. <laughs> no, I'm not a creepy hugger at all. I just sometimes I'm just, I don't know, I get in my head about these things. So, all right. Scott, let's just stick to handshakes, okay? <laughs> yeah, just just, just make sure they're dry. <laughs> That'll be good. Dry. <laughs> the, the germaphobe in me is like, no, no, don't hug anyone during, if you're an exhibitor, don't hug people at the convention because you'll get sick, guaranteed. You, you will get the nerd Because people are just walking around with germs and they don't know it and they don't care. Con crud, as uh, Jordan from Horrible Adorables would call it, it's it's gonna happen. But 
Hopefully after the fact, not during. Yeah. Take your vitamins now. There you go. Stay healthy. And bring your Purell. Let's all just wear hazmat suits. <laughs> um, all right, Teresa, what else do you got? So, yeah, um, you know, one thing that I think is always cool uh, at these events is to be able to see different custom shows. I, I think customs are one of those things that you can do your best to take photos of it and translate it on the web, but it's just never the same um, as seeing something in person. So I always personally love to just fly through custom shows and have a chance to look at different artists, different artists work in person. Um, and so there's two I'm aware of that they've been um, kind of sneak peeking throughout the past couple of weeks. One is the Vagabond custom show being put on by Kyle Kerwin um, at booth one, four, three, four. Um, and it's going to be a custom art show of his Willow and Bloom figures. Um, and so there's a pretty good artist list, uh, lots of cool people, lots of varied artists. Um, and I've been, he actually has a um, Facebook group, a Facebook event for it that they've been showing a lot of sneak peeks. So if you're interested, feel free to find that Facebook group. It's just called Vagabond Custom Show. Um, you can check out uh, all the different pieces in the works for that. Um, that one's worth checking out. And then... Broke Piggy is also doing another custom show this year. This year they're doing the Shard Dunny by Scott Collison. So that one's going to be really cool as well. Seeing lots of cool sneak peeks of that. Um, Broke Piggy's booth is 527. Um, so I think both of those shows will be fun to check out and, and see what artists have come up with. So And then speaking of Broke Piggy, they always have, along with the custom show, some exclusive figures and there was a really cute one I saw. So they're going to have a pig Uamu exclusive. So it's like a painted pig version for Broke Piggy. It makes Aww. me so happy. It's so cute. <laughs> I like that we're out of aisle 100. We moved on. We're exploring. I think, well, you've even mentioned Chris and Amanda. I don't, they're not in aisle 100 either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Chris actually last year, they were like way, like they were literally the wall. last row. Yeah. And this year they're at one one. Ugh, one 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 two. They are in the one hundred aisle. No, no not the one 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 thousands. One 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 two. Oh. But they are. They are. They're still near the back, but not the very very back. There's no. There's no bad spot at Designer Country. So they're really well. It, there is no bad spot, but as a collector who has to like create a list and prioritize and like go in a certain order. Are you, you know. Complaining? Are you complaining? No, no complaint. I'm just saying you got to get your running shoes on. I had to like <laughs> drop to the back. I had to get my butt back there. It's a challenge. Get, it's a, there's a, there's a certain level, uh, you know, degree of difficulty with all the boots being spread out as much as they are. I will tell you last year it was nuts. Cause like the, the different boots and like the, the so oh. are the lines that form at the beginning. Like mm. I remember I had to literally like, walk through lines to like keep going down the main aisle to get to a later boost it was crazy but you know chris is one of those people like he makes great stuff but he doesn't make huge runs and if you want one you that's like got to be first on your list that's just how i think a lot of booths are for for mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff you know you got to know who you want and what you want from them if they're only going to make 10 you want to be one of those 10 it's just part of the fun I want to see you get nasty this year. At DesignerCon, you were so nice and polite, and you're waiting your turn. I want to see you <laughs> pu push an old lady out of the way or something no. to get, you know, get vicious. See, and you know, we, I know we were going to walk around and stuff. You're gonna, ha I got to have my game face on at the beginning. There won't be no, I won't be like, oh, hey, let's chit chat. And I'll be like, 
I got to go buy a few toys. I'll see you in yeah, a few I'll hours. Tell you, I'll, I'll meet. You, <laughs> yeah, I'll meet up with you later. You go do what you got to do. I don't have any a shopping list. I, you know, maybe I'll just roll in eleven o'clock after the chaos is taking place. Oh my place. goodness! I'll tell you though. I mean, I feel like, and I don't know if you're the same way, Scott, but like the amount of money that drops at the very beginning of oh, an yeah. event, it's like. How much money did I just spend in like the past hour? Like you almost have this like moment of like both excitement and panic all at once of oh, like. I, yeah, I get like sick to my stomach actually. Like there's just like a there's it's nausea, followed by like looking in my wallet and then having panic because I'm like, oh my god, I can't <laughs> find like I'm like I am like can't account for like a hundred or two hundred dollars. Like oh my god, I probably just like pulled out my wallet and money just fell out somewhere. Right. Yeah. I've actually had that happen too. Oh, here's a tip. If you're paying by credit card or you're coming from out of state, call your credit card company and let them know that you're going somewhere out of state because sometimes if a lot of transactions are done out of state, they'll freeze your account thinking that someone stole your card. I will tell you that has happened to me both at DesignerCon and Five Points. It really does happen. And I mean, I know a while back we talked about cash too. I mean, there's always cash. cash Just do that. That's if you're... if you're running from booth to booth, you're you'd be wise to have cash because yeah. you don't have Plus to wait for save. it. Well, and you save on fees too, right, Scott? Yeah, I don't think there's any fees when you're like swiping cards at like you know little little whatever they call them square machines or whatever it is. It depends because like last time, like at Five Points and DesignerCon, I got taxed. Oh. A lot of yeah, a lot of companies will charge you because they have to pay the state tax on that stuff. So if a lot oh, of times, oh, you're, oh, you're saying tax like sales tax, sales tax. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes they'll also include the like the two point five or three percent that you're also getting charged by the credit card company. So yeah, right. If you want the best savings possible, bring cash because then you probably won't get hit with tax and you know or any credit card fees. So and you're gonna help the artists out or companies. You know they oh, always yeah. prefer they avoiding that hassle too. And the other thing I've learned is that, like, last year, I was not prepared, and there were some booths that were cash only, and I didn't have cash. So I'd go to the ATM, pay ATM fees to get the cash. So I will do better this year. But, yeah, it's it's important to kind of be aware and be prepared, especially some – a lot of the booths that are international, they have no choice. Like, they, they don't have the ability to do anything but cash. So sometimes it's the only option. Right. And for people going, if you if you're like me and you don't like ATM fees – I believe there's like a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America, like one street over from the convention or even in the mall across from the convention center. So you can always go there if that's your bank and grab cash from there. Cool. Uh, You have anything else, Teresa? Uh, Yeah. You know, um, another thing I saw, and this is a toy I've actually never been able to get a hold of. Um, uh, DeCorner's booth. Shout out to DeKevin. He is actually going to have the last colorway of Cookie No Good. For those that don't know, that's the little cute little fortune cookie shaped guy who's super sad. Got a little little pouty face on him. But um, that is one that like I don't know why, but it's always eluded me, or I've never like been attached to some of the colorways I could get a hold of. But this one I really really like. It's the traditional fortune cookie color, um, and then his outfit is like this really kind of hot pink shirt with a blue bow tie. So I actually think this might be uh, my top favorite cookie no good colorway that has been done. So saving the best for last. There you go. But yeah, that one, uh, I think it's it's ending in a, on a high note. Um, but the booth for that is 622. Cool. But yeah, so that one will be a fun one. And 
hopefully other cute food-related things to uh, to be revealed. You like the food-related stuff, huh? Heck yes. I know there's like a Tokidoki thing going on at like a restaurant, Fred 62 or something like that. Yeah, so Tokidoki has a, seems to do a lot of like, I don't know, sponsored events lately um, at different areas around California. So yeah, while everyone's out at Los Angeles uh, or the area, if you're interested, there's this restaurant called Fred 62 LA. um, And they actually have a month long event going on with them uh, related to their new breakfast besties blind box series that just released. Um, And so you can go to this restaurant and get, there's like a whole breakfast themed menu that's all Tokidoki themed and the whole restaurant is decorated with Tokidoki characters. Um, and you can also buy the blind boxes there. They have an exclusive shirt, I think exclusive stickers. So yeah, if you're into Tokidoki and that kind of stuff, that could be a fun thing to do um, kind of while you're out and about in Los Angeles. Cool. I'm going to head over there on Saturday morning while you start an early shopping at DesignerCon. Excuse I'm gonna go, me? I'm going to go sit down and get me a Fred 62 Tokidoki themed pancake and egg breakfast. Go without me. I will. We will. We will just not talk. I'll be so sad. <laughs> Save that for Sunday. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So I guess it's my turn to let's do a leak. And then we want to get, get talking to our guests a little bit. So I'm just going to yeah. do one quick talk. And then I got this from uh, actually a couple weeks ago. I mentioned that. Andrew Bell has several cool releases, but he had mentioned that he has one with a secret artist. And at the time, we did not know what that is, but I know what it is now. He's actually doing a collaborative toy with Jason Lamone. And how this came about is back in November of 2016, artist painter Jason Lamone posted a bunch of pencil drawings. And in there was one called Stinkbox, which featured like, I don't know, this goofy looking cat sitting uh, a kind of like a litter box on wheels. This is, which is just very Jason's style, right? So um, Andrew thought it was you know funny and cute, and he thought it'd make a fun toy. So he wanted to capture the spirit of that sketch in a toy. So Andrew put together like a little proof of concept, shot it over to Jason, um, and Jason loved the idea and gave him the go-ahead to make this toy. So it's actually uh, a blind box series of um, a series of all these different colored cats. I think the retail price, he hasn't settled on it just yet but he thinks it's probably going to be around eight dollars the figures are about three inches tall and if you put them in the little litter box stand they're going to be about 4.5 inches when they're sitting on their throne and which we mentioned before that andrew bell is one of the best package designers so not only is this a cool little cat series but andrew had just the brilliance of making sure that the box can break down into being the essentially like I don't know, like a cat litter, cat litter on wheels. So like the top of the box is the litter, but then the bottom of the box is perforated. So you tear that apart and that kind of gives you the base of the box. And then you tear off the lid that gives you the litter on the inside. And then there's like this fun fringe included inside the package that inserts into these slots on the bottom of the box that kind of gives you this really cool stink box look. And I think that's brilliant. And uh, it forces you to repurpose the package for the purpose of the toy. And I think that's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, really looking forward to this. I think uh, I think um, there's going to be – I don't know if it's a full release yet. But, he, you know, I know Andrew is going to have several boxes of these available at DesignerCon. And then Jason Lamone will be there on hand, I think, to do a signing at Andrew's booth around 3 p.m. on Saturday. So that's yeah. awesome. I am so excited for this. I am too. 
Are you a cat guy, Scott? I, I like the idea of cats. I would never own one, but I like cat-related things. Okay. Ditto. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I would have bought it. It was just a cat series. Like, I like cats. I love all animals. But I think what really puts it over the top for me is how the box breaks down to be the base that you put the cat in. It's an awesome little, yeah. like, very Jason Lamone litter box, and it's awesome. And but So the series comes in, I think, 16 different colors, four of which are Secret Chase. So good luck on getting those. But, um, again, Andrew Bell is the man as far as making art toys affordable for his fan base. I mean – He's always kept things on the very affordable side. I mean, a lot of companies do blind boxes, and you know he's self-producing this himself, and he's able to keep this blind box series down into the the eight dollar price point. I think that's amazing. For sure, I think I think it's great. The box is definitely Jason Lamone's style, and then the cat has Andrew's flair. Um, and yeah, so we've been able to see a little bit of a sneak peek. But I'm really excited because some of the cats in the series have a really um, a cute heart shaped fur print on the front of them. <laughs> oh, uh, so you know sucker. which one. I know you put something like a heart or like a cute face on yeah. something, and damn, you catch me. But. It's so cute. And it's, you know, like it's, it's fur. It's not just like a flat heart, you know, it's like a fur, a fur shape to it. But uh, obviously those are the ones that I will be. Oh, oh Teresa, to Andrew mentioned that all of these cats are named after like, um, they're all, they all have like names. And one of them is named Teresa. <laughs> are you serious? No, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> here you stuck. <laughs> no, but they do all have like, I get, I, they're all names based on cats that Andrew and, and Jason know. So. Yeah, so I, if anyone happens to go get uh, one of these cat blind boxes and pulls a heart one or pulls a duplicate heart one and doesn't want it, come find me and I'll happily buy it because they're cute. All right, so that wraps up the Lease and Sneak Picks. But should we talk about a couple quick outside decon events and then we'll get talking to Scott? Sure. For me. Yeah. Okay, so Saturday night there is a VIP Designer Con after party going on. All the fun takes place across the street from the Pasadena Convention Center on Euclid at a place called the Masonic Temple. Going on there will be a Secret Walls battle, DJ Z Trip will be playing, and Designer Con has teamed up with the crew from Johnny Cupcakes to design exclusive merchandise for the Designer Con after party. Items available will include clothing and accessories to help commemorate the party. I also uh, reached out to Kevin and he told me that there's going to be an exclusive VIP beer with labels designed by Gary Baseman. It's going to be limited to 500 bottles and they will be available only when you exit the party. I also heard that uh, Baseman designed a cup. I don't know what that means, but my best guess is that maybe any alcohol bought at the event might be poured into a Baseman design cup. But don't quote me on that. I'm just taking a shot on dark on that one. I really don't know. <laughs> Drink, drinks to well, go. I like it. Drinks to yeah. go. Yeah. Teresa, I know that we had other plans going on at their designer con, like the you know going to Bullmore and stuff. But you get the VIP pass. You should at least go and see what they have, and then you know get yourself the Gary Basin beer. Well, that's what I'm saying. As VIP, I might as well pop in and you know check it out real quick, see what merch they have, see if anything piques my interest. 
Yeah, so do that, and then we'll head on over to the Bullmore later on that night. So for all the listeners, we're having a Marshan meetup at the Pasadena Bullmore. It's the only Bullmore in Pasadena, so just look it up on your phone. If it's something that you want to head out to, just grab an Uber because it's it's you can't walk there for the convention center. It's a little on the outskirts. So, uh, but love to see you there. We'll be there probably starting around nine o'clock, and we'll hang out there till about midnight or so. So if you have nothing else going on that night, love to have you join us. I mean, Bullmore is a it's kind of a high-end bowling alley. It's got tons of lanes, lots of expensive but very cool video games to play, like eight-person Mario Kart, um, nice bar area, full menu, desserts, dance floor, and all that stuff. So uh, we would love to have you join us. Yeah, it'd be fun. Okay, so let's take a brief moment and talk about some of our sponsors. We have two great stores for you. There's 3DRetro.com. 3D Retro also has a brick-and-mortar location out there in Southern California, Burbank adjacent. So if you're in the area or and you're in the area for DesignerCon, maybe you want to check it out this weekend. Also, there's StrangeCatToys.com. So if you head on over to StrangeCatToys.com, they'll take care of all your designer toy needs and desires. Be sure to fill up that cart, and at checkout, use promo code DOPE at checkout, and you receive 10% off your entire order. All right, so Scott, how about we finally get talking to you? Sorry about that. I know we wasted about half the show talking about DesignerCon and all that, but finally, we can focus on you. Okay, yay. Just what I like to do, talk about myself. Right? So Yes. So, Scott, I mean, a lot of our listeners probably aren't too familiar with you. You're not um, an artist. You're not a producer or a manufacturer or anything like that. It's, you know, um, myself and a lot of others know you because you attend a lot of conventions out there in Southern California. You're on the, you know, the Kid Robot forums and, and all that good stuff. But, you know, most of our listeners probably aren't familiar with you. So let's get to know you a little bit. So um, you've been, I said you've been collecting for several years. How old were you when you first started collecting? I was, uh, what is that? Uh, Care care the two. Care the two. (laughs) Take a few years off to make myself look better. I think I was like 20 when I started. I'm I'm 29 now. So, yeah, I know I haven't hit that 10-year anniversary mark. So I think it was like 20, maybe 21. I can't believe you're 29. I swear to God, you're one of these guys that looks younger than you are. I think (laughs) when I first met you, I want to say it was like – I don't know, San Diego 2010 maybe? Like, I feel like, I thought maybe you were like, um, maybe like a senior in high school or just maybe first year of college or something like that. You looked that young and now you're 29. Like, I feel like I've watched you grow up. you like, you were a boy and now you're like this man. <laughs> you got like this career going now oh. and everything. Like, I feel like I sort of watched you grow up. Yeah. There we go. It's like when you watch your like favorite like child actor on a TV show, like a <laughs> Modern Family or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I babysat you, you know. <laughs> and uh, now you're like, you know, you're you're on your own. You don't need I'm babysat anymore. And you left the nest. <laughs> what? So how did you get into designer toys? So I discovered it because I started dating this girl at the time, and I went over to her house and. One of the, on her sofa, she had these two plush dolls sitting there, and I asked her what they were, and she's like, they're ugly dolls. And I was like, these are really cool. What are they from? And she's like, they're not from anything. And it was like, kind of like, I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, not from a movie? <laughs> or like a TV show? And she's like, no, 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 they're just, they exist. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'm like, so let me guess, you just like go to Target, or you know, you went to Toys R Us, and you got, she's like, no. I, I found them randomly at these like weird like boutique stores and that just yeah. like another level of like this is crazy. So doing the boyfriend role, I was like, we need to get more of these. Um, 
And even though you, I know we could find him online real easily, there was something about, you know, we want to see him in person. Sure. Um, and we're in down, downtown Los Angeles, so we would go to like Santa Monica and we found him in a little, like some in a toy store there. And I'd get, we'd get, I'd get her one. And then we found out, you know, we started going to Melrose and that's where we started walking into Japan, LA and Monkey King around the corner. And that's what started kind of opening the doors for both of us at like, Oh, there's this really, all this really cool stuff because she wasn't a collector either. Um, And so we would frequent more like Melrose probably like two, three times a month. Like we'd go to Japan, LA and that was more her thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to, you know, we'd go to monkey King and I'd be really into that stuff. Didn't buy any of it. Mind you. It was just like, I'd go in there and it was like, going, it was like an art, like going into like an art exhibit. It was a lot of like, you can look, but you can't afford any of this stuff. You're like the uh, worst customer ever. Oh yeah. And it's <laughs> only exacerbated more because it's Melrose where nobody, everyone just looks and doesn't buy. Yeah. So finally that was like at the beginning of the year. And then around Christmas time, she asked me, you know, what, you know, you after a couple ugly dolls and gloomy bears that we were getting for her at, that stayed at her place. She's sure. like, what do you, what do you want? And for, I, you know, we used, uh, my plastic heart as if it was like, the official catalog of this crazy <laughs> toy world that we didn't know much about. Uh-huh. Um, and so I really glommed onto a Kozik's happy Labbit with the mustache. Okay. With the, the plush one. And I just thought that was like the silliest thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and so for Christmas that year, uh, Santa got me a plush Labbit with a mustache as well as the happy Labbit in vinyl with the interchangeable, uh, face it like little uh, face accessories oh, mouth yeah. accessories um yeah. and so that was like my first foray into it and it wasn't really meant to be anything it was just like oh i've got you know something on to put on my end table next to my bed so it, it started out as just like a, like an essential home decor because it sounds like you started out mainly like plush you probably had them on the sofa and stuff like that and yeah when, when did you start getting into the vinyl side of it um so that was Christmas, and then next episode, then 2009 rolls around, and this, that was, you know, it's probably like May or so, and that, we were like, oh, hey, why don't we go to Comic-Con this year? Oh, um, man. And that was like, I, my brain wants to say, that was like the last year of Comic-Con that you could like, a month or two before, look online, be like, oh, there's still like tickets available, and so we bought like a Thursday pass. Wow. So go down to San Diego for a day, which is the biggest mistake ever because that was just the most overwhelming thing <laughs> ever. Um, yeah. But leading up to it, kind of like looking to, you know, we would check like Toys Are Evil and Vinyl Pulse from time to time. So I kind of had a little vibe of the scene or mm-hmm. whatever I thought it might be. Um, so go to Comic-Con and beeline it for a Kozik's booth. Um and just I stocked up on Happy Labbits from him, like just the regular ones, not even the exclusive stuff that he had at the time because I didn't know any better because that was like my rule is like, I just want Happy Labbits. I'm not, yeah. I, I don't smoke, so the cigarette thing doesn't interest me. And so I'm like, I just going to focus. There's the one attempt at being like, I'm just going to focus on this one part of it. Um, <laughs> so did that, got to meet Frank. 
super cool because also the thing with Frank that kind of was this interesting life circle for me was growing up when I was like 10 years old, one of my favorite records was uh, The Offsprings Americana, and I loved all the artwork in it. So then you fast forward for me 10 years, and oh, hey, it's Frank Kozik who did all of the artwork for that album. Right. Um, so that was like this really weird thing for me, but also super exciting. So did you fanboy out or did you keep it cool? Oh, no, I probably totally fanboyed out. <laughs> um, and he was not happy. Like, he's super nice, but oh, the first time I was like scared to death of him. And I'm like, well, that, that went terrible. <laughs> so many people have had that experience. I mean, it's, it's not Frank's fault. He has resting grump face, and he's tall. He's got a presence, and he's just intimidating at sight. And so, yeah, I understand. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I walked out of Comic-Con with just a bunch of happy labbits, super stoked, had my panic attack that I thought I lost, like, 80 bucks on the floor somewhere there. <laughs> and so if, like, vinyl collecting was like a frozen pond – Comic-Con that year was like the crack in the ice. Mm -hmm. And so then over the next, the rest of that year, I started to, I'm like, well, this is kind of a thing, maybe. And picked up, like, I missed out on the Wood Lab at Comic-Con that year with Amanda Vizelle because it was being released on a different day. So that was my first experience in paying stupid, <laughs> stupid eBay prices. Uh -huh. And then that was also my first expansion a little bit into a new artist from that. Then DesignerCon rolls around. Well, I didn't know about DesignerCon, but like, you know, probably someone at Japan LA or Monkey King's like, oh, you have to go to this. So go to DesignerCon. And then it just, that was like the frozen pond just shattered <laughs> and I'm in the, in the frozen You're water. Because yeah. it was like that, I just broke all my rules. It was like, labbits, whatever. Smoke, smoking or not smoking, getting it. Not a Labbit, but Frank Kozik, still getting it. And that was like one of the years where, uh, when, how early were you going to Designer uh, Con slash VTN? I want to say 2007 was the first year. Okay. So you might know 2007 and 8 better than I would. Because in 2009, even 2010, still there was this like, uh, wasn't a lot of exclusives, but there was a lot of like, uh, like clearancing out things. Yes. Like it was the opportunity for stores, whether or not they were sadly like, closing up shop or just trying to like it was like the one time where you know you're gonna be able to sell stuff to your audience in person right like i think it was like a strange kiss was oh a, yeah i remember that yeah he was just going gangbusters on things so i just stocked up like crazy just to build out my collection after that yeah it was that required no more end table needed a cabinet and <laughs> So starting so young, did you find that your collecting taste sort of like changed and wavered a little bit or maybe it became a little more sophisticated as you aged? Um, there's certain parts of it where I think I've maybe refined it slightly, but I still go back to a lot of the same old, same old. Because I've always been very like a, I'm very art, like artist-centric when I'm collecting. So I'm a big you know Andrew Bell collector. If I liked Andrew Bell years ago, I still like him now. Like he can pretty – Kind of like how we're talking, we don't know what's going to be released at DesignerCon. He can literally put out anything, and I know I'm just going to buy it. Like, You're going to want it, yeah. Yeah, I don't even need an announce. I don't need the announcement on the blogs. Like, I just take my money. My So my different artist styles are definitely, a lot of them are very unique. They're eclectic, I would say. It doesn't focus in one range of things. Like, I'll do a little cute. I'll do a little, like, creepy or dark. 
you know, it's just things catch my eye and then I just kind of like go in on that artist. So do you ever just buy a toy just based on looks alone or do you feel like, do you need to have that connection with the artist or a backstory or something like that before you really get into the toy? Stories are interesting. I don't necessarily need them to like sell me on a toy. Sometimes it helps push me over the edge. Sometimes it actually pushes me away from it a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's more of a connection with like an artist and what they're all about. And sometimes a lot of it's also just like uh, the thing that, I mean, the whole thing for designer toys for me is I collect this stuff because I love the idea of the, the translation from 2d to 3d and you know, it, it not existing in any other worlds out there. So a lot of it's just like, I can't, it is, it's that old, you know, you can't afford the $10,000 painting, but I can afford the $70 vinyl toy and it, cause it, tra- and it translates really well. And so that's something I kind of am attracted to. Right. And being that you were so artist centric, did you really get heavy into collecting customs at all then? It took me a while. I think this hobby and my uh, income didn't quite align very well for most years up until real, like last few. So customs were kind of uh, out of reach. Sure. I, honestly, I think you're like you're probably the first one that I got any customs from, and it was like I had like three in a row from you. Like I don't have really? a lot. Of, I don't have a lot of customs. I think I have like I have a couple from uh, a friend, uncle. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's over. Guy. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. So I, I, I've had him do a few things over the years, but I was looking. Twenty eleven, you released uh, an edition of custom Captain America androids. Oh wow! Yeah, you're going. You're going. Yeah, back. it was that in yeah. the. It was that in Harry Potter. In the, I think you had a different name for him, but it was called Gary Potter. There you <laughs> I, go. Yeah. Wow. So I have that. And then, See, I've done non-licensed stuff too, people. I know yeah. I talk about it on the show, but I'm guilty. I've done it. Yep. yep. That, and then of course I, you know, I've got the, your uh, Hermes. Yeah, I do remember you have the Hermes custom. Yeah. Yeah, that was like yeah. that was the, that's the big one. That was like wait, the, was that the Fonzo? That's the Fonzo one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the Fonzo Herm, like the Fonzo Hermes custom. Fonzo, sorry. Okay, yeah. 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 Nice. I'm jealous of that. Yeah. My wallet sure wasn't. I was like, I think that was like the thing where it's like, I can't believe I'm spending this on that. So did you go through that whole, like, I feel like I went, your, your story sounds very similar to mine where you kind of start small and then it just like grows and grows and explodes and explodes. Yeah. Did you like, so like, I know I, like I started with, with blind boxes too and plush at that, the Heidi Kenny donut plush Mm -hmm. blind boxes were for me. Um, so a little later in the scene than, than other people, but I felt like I had that similar experience and then same with price. I started out with very small price points and I slowly, slowly went up and up and up. Did you feel like you, you got, I feel like I got price blind at a certain point where I just stopped caring. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I still like to this day, I mean, I, I have friends and people will just be like, you just spent how much on that? And I'm like, Oh, you know, like a hundred bucks. And they're like, you're insane. I'm like, I don't need, I'm like, it doesn't a hundred dollars is a lot of money and it just doesn't phase me. And it totally should. Wow. Right. You know, I never, I've acclimated to designer toys. I remember starting out 40 and then buying 16, 80, but I never really got above that. And I don't know why it was. I think it was just like, part of me is still 
like knows the value of the dollar, and when I buy something that expensive, I have to like think about like, wow, I would have had to have worked, you know, two or three days on maybe some crappy project to own that, and does that correlate? But you guys are so easy breezy about it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not easy. It's just one of those, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, say, like lately, I've been a little bit more uh, aware just because of, of Hell House woes. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's, I don't know, maybe a lot of collectors go through it. But just your story just resonates so much with me because it's literally a same kind of path as me of you start and then suddenly you just end up down this path and things explode and your interest grow and the price grows and then suddenly you look at your hash you're like oh my god what yeah. am i done like, yeah <laughs> I, i've been there and sometimes like when you, when you look at your bank statement at the end of the month and you'll be amazed at how much you drop like there used to be a vinyl toy store here in phoenix called red hot robot and oh, I, I would stop in there every weekend and usually i would purchase something and then at the end of the month you'd be like holy crap i dropped 400 dollars on toys that month or when you do taxes at the end of the season you would look at it and go oh my gosh I spent several thousands of dollars on toys that are they're just sitting on the shelf. Like if someone told me, would you buy all these toys for four grand right now? And I would probably be like, no, no, I wouldn't. But when you piecework it, it's totally different. And, you know, still today, I have a tough time getting over that $40 price point. Yeah, that's just chump change sometimes for me. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm, sometimes I realize I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do this because I just probably bought something else or what have you. But yeah, sometimes. And it's and like when I first started, it was more of a you know I've got a hundred dollars, I can either buy five little things, and that was really cool because it would fill up my shelves more. Yeah. Now I'm like, well, I definitely don't even have the shelf space for it, so I'll just buy the one thing that's a little more expensive that I really really like, and I'll skip the little things. Have you had to start selling off anything to make room for more? I should, and I haven't. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'll get to a point where I'm. Because I've never been able to put my entire collection out on display. So I'm sure once I do in the very near future, I'm going to realize, like, I don't have room for half of this stuff. Right. And I'm going to have to make some tough choices. Because I truly do, in my brain, I like to think that I buy only what I like. But even then, that accumulates, too. Like, I only buy what I like, too. But I have a closet full of boxes of toys that I just... I. Just I just don't have on display, and I really should just sell them because someone else could appreciate them more than I currently am. And I feel like, you know, if I'm not appreciating them, why not? You know, I'm not going to move into a bigger home. This is probably my maybe forever home. I don't know. So it's it's not going to be, you know, I'm going to have to either take something down and put that closet toy on the shelf. And but I'm also too lazy to uh, to eBay this stuff and go on the the toy sale sites and you know to to move this product either. So. I guess I'm stuck with them in my closet. It yeah. takes work. I mean, selling stuff is not easy. No. 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 I, always, I always feel like whatever I have to sell, nobody wants. Not that it's like because it's lame, but I just it doesn't seem like it strikes a chord with people these days. Like had I sold it maybe three years, you know, a seven-year-old thing and I sold it three years ago, I think would have been gone in the blink of an eye. And right. Now I'm just like there's, it's not even worth trying to like list it, relist it bump up a thread it's i think a lot of collectors are realize like how difficult it is to move like the majority of your collection yeah there's certain items that are still highly sought after but there's a lot of the stuff that's just you know the market just isn't there for it anymore and i think that's surprising to a lot of people yeah Yeah, i'll go Teresa. i was just gonna say it's interesting to see that i think are you in the kid robot group on facebook i am 
Also, the kid yeah. robot forums, people should use them. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. But like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm on the forums too. I haven't been on in a while, but I feel like we see that there. I don't know if you feel it, but like, I feel like certain posts just do what better than others. And I don't know what it is, but it just seems like some of the older pieces, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, a lot of those are harder to offload than like something that's a little newer. Yeah, I'm, I've, I try to wrap my brain around it the best I can. And I, I'm not like a necessarily like a real old schooler to the scene. I'm, I came in a little bit later in the game. So when I first started out, you know, because I was not too deep into a scene that's been going on, to get into an artist and then kind of buy up, let's call it their back catalog, it was somewhat yes. obtainable because you only had a few years of releases. I can see a lot of collectors now that they want to get into a Luke Chu or whoever, but there's so many things and you just feel like, well, this is like an impossible mountain to climb. Like right. you, know, you, you see a picture of people's like full collections of that artist and you're like, I can't even come close to that. So they don't, <laughs> so they just don't like, that's why like a lot of the old school stuff just doesn't move anymore. Not because it's maybe not desirable, but because people kind of know like, well, I can get into this with this one piece, but I'm never going to be able to really get into it more because these pieces are so hard to come by and they're so expensive. So they just stick to like whatever's present moving forward. Okay. That makes sense. I can see that. That's like the only way I can kind of see it. Or it's just like more of a, uh, you know, maybe people with, maybe people are wising up the newer collectors and it's not like a, they're not collecting for like, the prestige they're just they're much more casual which is great to have people that are they're in it because of a passion but it's not you know a wallet draining passion for them so it's like they're just like well if i can get this and it's inexpensive cool i'm not gonna like freak out because i don't have every single colorway of whatever right yeah, I, I feel like it's a combination of like, I don't I don't want to try like trying to have a complete collection of an artist is not really an obtainable goal anymore. Or if it's also like, I feel like also it might be aesthetics like toys. Like when I look back at some of the toys, even before when I started collecting, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I don't know the way they were made or they're more simplistic, but they do have kind of a different aesthetic to they them. They definitely do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it could partly be that, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot of things. And I think there's still people coming into the scene and, and they're coming in through the stuff like we did, you know, the blind boxes and the cheaper stuff. And so to your point, some of this older stuff, especially if it's still rare, I mean, it's, it's hard for, I think, them to justify when they're just starting to come in to maybe pay those amounts of money. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the ebbs and flows of just certain things and, and, and trying to sell stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine coming into a, this oh. scene today and then wanting to look back at what's been released over the past 15 years or so. Like, it's, it would be pretty overwhelming, yeah. especially if you have a completist mindset of, like you said, a, a, you know, collecting oh. a Mochu or, um, you know, someone who wants to come in and start collecting Tokidoki or even like a Tim but- a Biscuit even. Those it's, are, per- yeah, that's like a lot of permanent collection stuff. Exactly. That stuff just does not pop up on yeah. the after market. And you, how would you complete that series? So, yeah, I can see where people just wouldn't want to dive in. But I'm, uh, surely there's someone just wanting one or two pieces or, or something like that. And that's kind of what I've been doing, just seeking out just a few things. I'm not a completist, but I can't imagine coming into it today. Yeah. Yeah. you got to find that person that's like just moving on from the scene and dumping everything. You find the person who has a, a baby on the way, that's the person to just hook baby. up with. 
I just I just saw a post somewhere in another forum and it was like a divorce sale. I'm like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just take advantage of some unfortunate soul that lost a job or a divorce. Like, and use your Facebook to your advantage. Like you see that sort of stuff and just, hey, Bob, remember that toy? You got, you still have that? Yeah. You got to take yeah take take advantage of people's misery. <laughs> Build your collection. Yeah. I mean, there are toys that like I've had on my tramped want list for god knows how long and like i have yet over years of time ever seen it listed i mean it's just there are some toys out there like that and then you know one day it'll be listed and i'll be like crap like i don't want to spend that amount of money just for this one thing but screw it i might do it because i haven't seen it ever yeah i I have like two or three things that have been on my ebay save search for three four years and either they've never showed up or the one time it did show up, it was just way too expensive. Even for me, I'm like, I can't do that. Or a different colorway, like the, the, your least favorite colorway. That tends to happen to me. The yeah. toy I want pops up, but not the colorway yeah. I want. I always mess yeah. – you know, there's one thing I want. And I, anytime a, new, a person like lists another colorway, I just awkwardly message them on eBay being like, I know this is weird, but do you have this other one? Hey, you got to do what you got to do. You got to try. doesn't hurt to ask. All right, so Scott, we've we've been talking about backtracking and buying older stuff, but what about this new stuff? I know we talked recently to Teresa about the art of muling, and she's she's dealt with uh, people knowing that she's going to a convention and they want her to mule stuff. And I know you've you've muled some stuff in the past, but you have a very different uh, <laughs> yeah. approach to it than say Teresa. Like you have a list of rules and uh, oh yeah, and stuff. Like, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I actually, I remember I talked to Teresa once about, she mentioned it on a podcast, and I messaged her, I'm like, you need to be, like, more intense, um, <laughs> which that probably doesn't, does not fit her personality, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know shame that, you know, comic, you know, San Diego Comic-Con, you know, is not a cheap fa- affair to go to. Yep. Um, so, you know, I just started mewling at it to help try to offset some of my costs. Sure. And so, yeah, I mean, I have rules because, you know, when you're, you're, hand, you know, working with like, you know, I've had, I've had a mule stuff for like 15, 20 different people Jeez. and, you know, com, you know, and it's a lot of my, I mean, that's, you know, in like the peak, I think I probably, I'll say it, I probably had like three grand of strangers money in my sitting in my Ooh. bank account. So it's like it's no joke, and it's a it's a business. It's almost a business at that point. So you got to treat it as such. As well as you know, being an exhibitor at Comic Con gives me that little like edge that I'm already in the doors. Sure. Which still makes it really difficult because I still have to run everywhere. Um, yeah, I've been doing it like every year at Comic Con. I do it at Designer Con. Seems so break down break down some of the rules for us. How many rules are there? Oh, here, let me, I can pull them up. It's probably easier. You got a document? I have a copy-paste document because it's, <laughs> it's just easier. And You're I a post, professional. Yeah, I'm not. It's a business. It's a business. I got to pay my employees, which is me. <laughs> so we've got, what, like, yeah, we got, like, six rules and plus a little bit of fluff. Like, okay. uh, you know, I, I tell people, like, I used to only, it was before Facebook groups were a thing, so it was on the forums, um, and I don't, you know, I have people email me and I have a separate email just for muling. So I don't mix things up. And that's like Scott, the mule at Yahoo or something. It's sim- 
it's similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I tell people like, I, if you mess, if you private message me, I will read it and delete it. Uh, and you'd be amazed how many people still just like private message me not to get their stuff. And you know, things like, um, booths I know that I can't get to easily. And that list always has been updated every year as I've learned, you know, one year I say, Oh yeah, that's not a problem. And then I realize, Oh, I regret doing that. So next year they're on the blacklist. Right. Paul Kaiju, Instinct Toy, that punk, punk Drunker, stuff like that. Definitely, yeah. Punk Drunkers, Lash, that was, that's a new one now. Did not know that was as bad as it was going to be. Um, <laughs> but like at Comic-Con, you know, I won't, you know, I don't even bother with like Mattel or, you know, oh, yeah. Diamond, Diamond, Hallmark. You know, I just, it. I don't won't do any of those super crazy ones. It's not worth it. I used to go into a lot, I used to do the lotteries, but then I just never liked the disappointment as well as the you know if you did like i've done you know paul kaiju lotteries and it's persons like get me a or b and then by time i if i get picked it's like the d item and i'm like uh do they even want this Mm -hmm. so i stopped doing lotteries people with like vague things like you know especially with like decon being you know we're not having a lot of things if someone's just like hey in case somebody you know blah 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 releases something can you pick it up and, you know, I'll just give you the money for whatever that may be. I don't do that. And, yeah, I mean, I tell people it's like payments up front. Um, I, I really honestly don't have a tip. I It's really just a service fee that I charge to okay. get things. Like 10% of the retail price or something like that? More, It's more than that. But, okay. yeah, it's, a per, it's always it's a percentage of whatever retail it is. Okay. And that it maybe fluctuates depending if it's a little higher in demand. It's not even me trying to make a ton of money on something because in the end, it's really not. It is to pay for my time because the way I run this, it's it's a lot of work. Like It's not just somebody saying, I want this, here's money, and I get it for them and put it in a box. I mean, there's a lot of time you know, responding to people's emails. If they don't have the information, I'm looking up information for them. You know, Having conversations like that all adds up to time. And the biggest thing is I don't want people flipping what I'm muling for them. So my percentage tries to offset that person that tries to like, I get it for them. They get it home and they're like, Oh, these are going for a bunch of money on eBay. And then right. they go and flip it. At least it helps eliminate some of their profit from that. Cause that's just a jerk move. Okay. I get that. Yeah. I was, yeah. was going to ask how you differentiate between the collector and the flipper. Yeah. I, I don't think, I think everyone is a collector. I don't think like Flipping something that you're muling, I think it probably gets a little cost prohibitive as a flipper. Now, do you have people asking for you to mule like sketches or any original art from the artist? Some people will be like, hey, can you go get this piece from Gary Ham and could you get a sketch from him? That I usually say I won't really do. I won't do the sketches. Like I, I, I say like if I can, I will. But, you know, it's usually like a sketch on the box. I'm not going to like walk right. around with like a sketchbook for them to like, you know, because – I have a sketchbook for myself and I know sometimes it's, you know, I give it to an artist and, you know, I have to either go buy an artist booth like three, four times till they'll even do it or I have to leave it with them. So to have uh-huh. to do that for a second person is not realistic. Yeah. So I don't ever give somebody that expectation. Cool. Um, you know, I, I'll probably never go to another convention again. I'll just have you meal for me because like the convenience you're providing is it makes total sense to me. Like I don't have to spend my week in any convention hall. I don't have to pay for the convention ticket or gas or an uber or hotel yeah. rooms plane ticket all that stuff that you're providing is giving them an opportunity to 
I don't know, let's say someone doesn't have the vacation time to do a family vacation and go to one of these, you know, toy conventions as well. So you're freeing them up to do something else or take another vacation with family or go to another city or, you know, you're providing them a nice, uh, a nice service. And all they know is just for a small fee, one day this, this toy that they probably wouldn't have been able to obtain otherwise just kind of, I don't know, magically appears on the doorstep and it's all, you know, thanks to you. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, yeah, people, like I always explain it like i don't i think a lot of people that ask for especially san diego i don't think people a lot of people realize like how big that convention center is right um i mean it's huge i did I, this is the first year where i uh, brought a little fitbit with me to track steps and mm-hmm. it blew my mind 20, i mean 000? i oh i can look it up i know it's like if you walked up and down every aisle i think it's something like nine miles i want to say And I think if you walk from one wall, like one wall to the other, I think that's like, you can see, I know it's like, you can see the curve of the earth looking across the floor of (laughs) San Diego Convention Center. Wait, I thought the earth was flat. Oh, that's right. It's curved. You're right. It is flat. Mind blown. Um, That's crazy. So Scott, you know, I'm curious. I mean, I'm sure you're still going to buy stuff for yourself, right? So like, do you prioritize your stuff first and then your everyone you're mailing for a second or like how do you coordinate that it's actually kind of a little bit of both like i've actually will sometimes prioritize other people's stuff over my own and they i kind of let them know because i know sometimes like their stuff might be slightly harder to get than what i want and so i've i've missed out i've had to wait in really long lines or missed out on things for myself because i wait had to do somebody else's item first yeah i mean i'm actually pretty fair about that but yeah does that does that ever bum you out to like miss out on a personal want a little bit. You, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it hasn't happened that many times. I'm Luckily, I'm usually pretty fast. And I guess probably when push comes to shove, I would probably, if I got stuck in a line for someone else that was, like, really bad and I start looking at my watch, I would be like, okay, I'm out and go and get my own yeah. stuff. There's been very few things where I haven't been able to get things for people, and it totally bums me out. Yeah. No, I feel this, like... I- that's something I, I really like. I mean, I, I know you probably heard my piece, but like I, I personally like being able to help people because I've, you know, I've been there and I know what it's like. And I, I find joy and fun in being able to be there and pick something up for someone if it makes them really happy and it's something they really want. But at the same time, I wouldn't want my whole like the whole time there to be about not enjoying it for myself and kind of running around. So I don't know how you coordinate that. Like, do you just spend like almost like one day kind of focused all or like one certain session, like going really crazy. And then you try to have the rest time to yourself or, or is that part of the fun of it for you to just kind of be able to go around and, and help other people get things they want. Um, It's kind of been a mixed bag over the years with San Diego where things used to be like staggered releases during each day. So it was a little more, it was harder for me to enjoy the con personally, not even purchasing stuff because it was like, well, I, I can go buy this. I've got 30 minutes, but then I've got to be back over here to get this other thing at one o'clock or whatever. In the last couple of years, it seems like people are just kind of just releasing stuff first day and, you know, I can go and enjoy myself for the rest yeah. of it, whatever that means well, nowadays. Um, yeah, but I mean, at least at least you have some time to, to go hang out and talk to people and all that. So yeah, I, I never talk to people as much as I wish I did. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I feel, well, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that always happens. Like there's people that I just wish I had run into and I just don't. And I feel like I try to plan like ahead and say like, Oh, we should meet up or we should do this. But I think in the moment you just get so 
caught up. You just kind of in the moment and do your thing. But I'm actually kind of curious too how the whole VIP thing is gonna is gonna play into your your muling efforts. I mean, do you feel like that's gonna change anything at all, or or just uh, kind of meet start earlier? Eh, you know, like I noticed it last year, especially at being in like that um, Eastern Vinyl area where there are a lot of people inside the con before the doors open, which I wasn't ready for. Um, usually it's a lot quieter. So that kind of threw me off my game um, and definitely put a wrench into some of the things I was trying to do. I'm going to adjust for this year. Uh, there's certain booths like a punk drunkers booth, which I will not do this year because I learned my lesson. So, you know, I'll, I'll probably have to turn some people away for their requests just because I don't want to run myself silly. I'm kind of getting towards like the end of my muling days. It's just I'm I'm still doing it, but it's like I'm less pumped up to do it or just want to. Yeah, it, it's starting just it's becoming more of a chore than it even was before. Um, not even that there's enough as many things. It's just it's just getting weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally get that. You're just kind of if, if once the enjoyment's kind of comes out of it and you said it just becomes a chore, then yeah, it's time to either slow down or just stop doing it. But, you know, Teresa, with your all your plumbing bills coming up, like, why don't you subsidize a little bit by taking on some, you know, a little bit of muling? I don't know. <laughs> Because we've discussed that I feel, I just, you gotta get it just over feels, it. it feels icky. I don't know. It's just me. <laughs> it, not at all saying you're icky, Scott. By <laughs> well, thank <all>. you. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I mean, honestly, it's weird because I don't know. I haven't really, no one, I've never really reached out or offered, but like I, there's no one really I'm currently planning to help or anything. I mean, I'm totally, I'm totally down to do it. I just don't, my big thing, and that's why I kind of asked if you get overwhelmed, Scott, like I want to be able to enjoy uh, the event for myself, you know? And, and mm-hmm. if I decide to like, like at five points, like I totally didn't plan to, but I stood in line to get, to go meet Simone and get a sketch from him. Had I been like doing some hardcore mewling stuff, I probably wouldn't have had the luxury to just be like, oh, there's a line. I'm just going to go stand in it for two hours. Right. Yeah. So like. Or like, oh, hey, there's this person I didn't mean to run into. Let's stand and chat for a bit. So like when I go to these events, like I, I want to make sure I have time for me. I'm more than happy to help do it. But I wouldn't want my like experience to be just running around constantly grabbing stuff. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm definitely over that. And luckily, it's actually like designer cons always kind of stayed pretty level. San Diego is getting a lot easier because there's less booths there. And that's like a whole thing. Yep. Less people are getting in the doors that are fans, and um, because of that, then booze start to see their sales drop, so then they stop coming out bringing a lot of exclusives, and because of that, then the next year, you know, people a, aren't, you know, people aren't wanting to go because the exclusives aren't as good, and then mules aren't at, you know, people aren't looking for mules because they don't, you know, online people don't see anything they like, then the booth drops out, and then all, it's just like this nasty spiral now in the last few years where there's just less being offered mm-hmm. and it, it, it I, I notice it because I'm also it's I'm the same way where I'm like wow there's a lot less things that I want personally than years past and then it I see like how many emails I have for people muling and I'm like oh it's rather quiet and it and I'm like okay it's not just me being like weird with my tastes or something like that have you run into a case of you also want the same toy that someone wants you to mule yes is that strange? Because I know sometimes artists will have like a limit. You can only buy one or something like that. Have you ever run into it where you had to sacrifice your own? 
Yes, I have definitely. Um, and this is where it gets really awkward for me, where I think there's some artists that they see me every year buying stuff from them and they think like I'm just this like crazy avid fan and it's like no unfortunately I love your I love your stuff but like there's other things that I want personally more than your stuff and so I'm just that that's when I made the decision I'll make a decision like well I don't want it for me so I'll get it for this other person um, I thought you liked my stuff Scott I'm yeah. A fan. <laughs> yeah but there's been there's like one there's like one or two things where it was like I at the time it was just like it would have that this one you know an item was already pushing my like budget but yeah. i really liked it but i just said forget it i got it for someone else and then after the con i'm like oh, i really wish you know i i live vicariously through people like sometimes i'll like if it's something that i can open without like ruining the mint condition of it i'll like look at it and i'm like god ah, this is really really cool and i'm like i wish i got it that would that would be tough i make making that choice and decision to give something up that would be that'd be a tough one and I mean, have you ever run into a case where someone, like you said, you buy multiple things or something like from, from artists and maybe they think you're a flipper instead of just a mule? Have you ever fallen into that negative stigma of being a flipper? No, I've never had anyone do that. I, I don't think anyone's called me out on saying like, you know, oh, your chart, you know, I guess people, I've never had, I've had one or two people say like, oh, that's kind of expensive of a service fee. But I mean, for the number of people I've helped, and have been super stoked and come back. You know, I don't talk to some of these people year at all during the year on social media or forums, but I get an email from them every year and they're always like super stoked for me to help them out. Good. Um, yeah. Cause I've always like, that's why my, like my, I try and I don't want to be the, like I'm trying to help people in the community cause I know they're fans. Um, and I don't want to like totally price gouge them. That's not fair. That's, that sucks. It totally sucks. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're. You know. I think it's an awesome service that you're providing. Yeah. But at the same time, when you show up to an artist and you want two or three of the same thing, that sort of raises eyebrows sometimes. Yeah. No. Um, I, and, yeah. And I'll never do that. Like I know. Like because I know so many of these artists, and it's like I. You know. I have a. I have a rapport with people. Like a lot of these artists. Yeah. And so I'm. I'm not just trying to be greedy and like. Hi, Gary. Cool. Can I get three of these? Bye, Gary. And be out. <laughs> like you know. I know that you know, you have a lot of fans and I'm whether, even if you would sell me three, I'm not going to push it because you would pick up on that real quick. I'm not, t I never try to take advantage of artists and what they're selling just to, you know, pad my wallet a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I really don't think most artists or companies would really have any issue with you buying multiples of something. They'd be excited to do so. But you know, there's that rare instance where it's a highly popular item or a micro run where they kind of want to ensure that anyone who's going to be at that convention has the best opportunity to get it. So in that case, we'll raise an eyebrow, but that's, that's the rare instance, right? So, but Teresa, I do think that you need, if you're going to be doing mealing, you need to get a little, you know, a little sugar like Scott here, or maybe just ask for a little, like a movie pass or I'll gift card or something. It sounds like easy. A. Have you all seen that movie? Yeah. yeah like sadly when it's on TV and I have to watch it, I still watch it with all the commercials every five minutes. Exactly, but you you can't help it because it's on. Yeah. It just reminds me of that, like getting gift cards. But no, I, I don't know. I mean, hey, if there are any listeners out there who like really, really need something, I mean. No, but what are you doing? Yeah. No, not on the pocket. <laughs> well, then, no, well no. then cut it out. <laughs> no. All right, well, here, let me help you out. If you really want something mule and you want you know Teresa to help you out, and let's say you're not like a personal friend of hers, then yeah. maybe she'll help you out, but hook her up with something. The one time, like, yeah. The one time I didn't ask for the service up front, I was like, yeah, just send me what you want afterwards. And it was like, here's five bucks. 
And it's like, dude, that's <laughs> yeah. not No, that's it's not, not worth it. it. No. It takes an it takes an hour to pack and ship it. Yeah. You're lugging the thing on the airplane. You're you know, it's it's a it's, it's a, a thing. You gotta it's yeah, a thing. I mean it's a thing. I mean, yeah, I mean luckily I don't have to fly because I like I only go to conventions here in California, so everything just Sure. But it's like, yeah, dude, it's a lot of work to like take bags, bring them to a car or the hotel room, then you leave the convention, so you gotta load up your car, almost can't fit anybody else in the car with you <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta bring it home you gotta take it out you gotta take three four trips out of your car to get into your house then yep. your living room is filled with boxes and you gotta get fine shipping boxes <laughs> you know and i go to a store for them and i spend yep. 30 minutes finding the right boxes for every little thing yeah so i and keep the shipping costs padding yeah you gotta it's a ton of work i think Teresa at five points didn't you Weren't you saying that like, you spent like hours, you almost didn't sleep one night because you're trying to figure out how to pack all the stuff? Yeah, part of that's my my uh, OCD uh, perfectionist nature shining through. <laughs> but yes, uh, I had like a giant mess on my bed and then I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so here, like last designer con, I made the mistake where I was really tired and being lazy and I said, mm, screw it, I'll just pack in the morning. Um, but I had like a really early flight and I almost missed it because it took me so long the next morning to like pack and get out. So I was like, all right, like I'm going to be better at five points and I'm going to like pack ahead of time. I didn't want like things to smush or break. So I was trying to figure out how to like take t-shirts and like wrap it around stuff, like coordinate away so that like I didn't come home with like smush and broken thing. And then there's obviously like my stuff. Right. So like you know, I bought like a, you know, one of Chris Raniac's resin pieces. I mean, that's not cheap, right? And I want to make sure it's protected. So like, what should I carry on? What should go in the suitcase? It's just a process. Yeah, there's no you. way I could do it. And I couldn't, I couldn't do five points in New York. I'd have to just ship everything before I leave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a buddy who, uh, whatever, like 2012 Comic-Con. Gary, I don't know if you remember this, but DKE, they got like the big AT-AT walkers. And they were yes. like, they were, what is that? Like a three foot tall one or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so it was a, uh, billions, billions, McMillions. Millions. Yeah. And so I, had a, my buddy got it and it came in this like pine box. Like that was the only thing they could pack it in or that's like how DK gave it. So my friends walking around Comic-Con preview night with this, it's gotta be like a 30, 40 pound pine box with a, you know, $600 <laughs> at, at, walker inside it wow. and the packing inside was not any like you know it was like scrap bubble wrap whatever dke had to try to keep it safe and he lives on the east coast he said he pretty much took to pad it right so he could put it under the check it as a bag he took like everything out of his suitcase like all his clothing and used all his clothing as padding to get yeah. this thing back across the, the country <laughs> in one piece that's crazy but yeah i mean it's funny, like it's it's funny how suddenly I find myself like using my clothing as bubble wrap. Uh, yep. But <laughs> it's what you got to do. <laughs> well, Teresa, you've never been to San Diego, San Diego Comic Con, but at that convention hall, there are two FedEx locations in the convention center, and you should see the amount of shipments they send out daily. Like huge yeah. lines of people waiting to have their stuff packed and shipped. And when you walk by the FedEx at the end of the day, I mean, it's probably a uh, eight nine hundred square foot office and it's the whole thing is just filled with boxes to be shipped out that night it's insane it's crazy yeah 
Well, guys, we're running. Scott, I feel terrible that we've been talking about designer cons so much and mainly you as a mule more so than a collector. And I know there was so much more that we want to talk to you about, but Scott, I apologize. <laughs> I definitely I want to talk to you more. Is there anything that we should that we didn't touch on that we should probably talk about real quick? Oh, I mean, there's Toy Story. There, I don't want to say Toy Stories. That makes it sound like we're going to talk Pixar. Um, <laughs> there, you know, there's actually there's a lot of brands that I, I mean, I listen to this podcast every week that it's on and there's brands that haven't even really been touched on, but oh, that's yeah, gotta totally. be for an, not, that's for another day. Well, let's get you back on. There we we'll, go. We'll bring I can you always... back. Well, you know, post decon wrap up, we'll bring you back the week after designer con and we'll talk more. There's a whole <laughs> yeah. wealth of knowledge in that brain that we haven't even tapped into. And I know you've built a great rapport with a lot of <laughs> artists and I'm sure there's a lot of great stories. And so let's, let's get you back. You want to come back, Scott? There we go. I can tease it. We can tease it as like you guys. We need to talk about. I know every people that have been on. They like briefly talk about it, but like three A needs some uh, love yes. on here because that yeah, seems foreign to people. Yeah, I mean, there's like a Ferg and his whole squats and misfortune cats. That's a lovely world. Yeah, you know, when I we started this podcast, I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be trying to cover all aspects of the toy scene. And that's kind of what we want to do. We want to touch on everything and, you know, talk to everybody who's collecting the toy scene. But, you know, there's only four of us and we're not experienced and knowledgeable in every area of it. And you really need to have someone on who can, you know, who can talk expertly about what the, that collector base wants to hear. But at the same time, not alienate all the other listeners who have no idea what you're talking about. So they have to be able to talk in a way that can introduce it to those new listeners. And so it's hard. And it's, I want to be able to talk 3A, but I can't. But, you know, you can. Oh, I could do that. I could do that all day. You know, yeah. I, I, there are just certain avenues of the toy scene that I know I don't know about. I mean, obviously, I have an aesthetic as a collector that I'm very honed in on. And so it's just where my interest is and where my passion is. And so I know a lot about that stuff. But when it comes to the things that don't fit that aesthetic, I just don't know as much. So, But exactly. I'm, I'm totally all for bringing more of that into the show. And, um, you know, I actually my, my friend and coworker, Phil Back, is, is really big into 3A. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. I can pull him and get some knowledge. But, yeah, um, it'd be great to have you back and, yeah. and talk about a lot of the, the areas of the toy scene that, that we tend to, to skimp on because we're – we're just not in the know. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's things you guys are into that I don't even know anything <laughs> about either. The whole new Eastern stuff coming out of the East is like for, completely, it's for it is foreign to me. Yeah, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have you back the week after DesignerCon. We'll do a you know DesignerCon wrap up, and then we'll yeah. we'll do to be continued with you. We'll we'll carry on talk actually talk to you as the collector, and maybe how you you know develop some of the relationships and. Maybe we can touch on 3A and uh, Ferg and Misfortune Cats, and, or not. Maybe we can have you back for a completely separate, more focused episode on that sort of stuff. But so, yeah. yeah. In the meantime, Scott, why don't you take a brief moment and let all the listeners know where they can find you? And I'm not. I don't do the Instagram thing really for the toys. If you, you'll probably just find me as my normal name in like the Kid Robot uh, Facebook group, um, okay. or it, if you're on like a the Kid Robot forums, it's six 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 ways to love. Evil and um, love. Yeah, and here, I'll, and I will, uh, I will leave you with. I found my uh, Comic Con by the numbers for this year. Okay. If this is pretty much every day, including preview night, and I even fact, it even has like you figure walking around at nighttime and whatnot to parties and stuff. Yep. 
So from July 19th through the 23rd of 2017, I had 81,873 steps. Wow. Which is (laughs) 38.75 miles. Holy wow. Or the equivalent of walking up 116 floors. It's crazy. 15,000 calories, so that's pretty sweet. (laughs) Almost 40 miles? Almost 40 40 miles in five days. I don't walk with a desk job. I don't walk that in a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. After day one, you're sore, Teresa. It's like going to Disneyland and you you haven't trained for it yet. It's that much walking. You know, it's just insane. So, yeah. Maybe I, I'll bring maybe I'll bring my sweet uh, not so hip looking uh, phone fanny pack. <laughs> you be the only I one. wear I ha- I wear it for uh, when I walk Bailey around and count my steps and and my miles and stuff. Maybe I'll bring that sweet thing to Designer Con and 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 track track my walking. I'll be the cool kid on the block. It's pretty not sweet looking, but at the same time, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> All right, Teresa, where can people find you? As usual, if you want to check me out, find me on Instagram. I am tmhawk24. All right. I'm Gary Ham. Gary Ham on Instagram and superham.com. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not next week because we'll be at DesignerCon, but usually every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye. <laughs>